It's time to find out the stories behind the stories. Welcome to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Get ready for some amazing guests, along with Nick's own expertise and insight behind some of today's top news in sports. The where, why, and how. Now, here's your host, Nick Ferguson. Welcome to another exciting show, uh, Nick's Secondary Perspective. I'm sitting, as always, with Mario Vertanzi, a uh, great show for you guys. Thanks for, for joining in, no matter where you are, driving around Denver, Colorado, on the East Coast, a cold East Coast, might I add. Before we started, uh, Mario, you were telling me about the weather in, in Denver. Man, last week, and obviously everybody knows how the weather was on Sunday, and the questions arose again of, can Peyton Manning play in the cold? Is he able to throw the ball? Because we all saw what happened in New England. We all know what happened last year in the playoff game, and he absolutely silenced the doubters. So now it's going to be a very, very comfortable and hot 40 degrees tonight. And, uh, yeah, maybe this is the perfect weather for him right now. So, so yes, I mean, yeah, last week it was uncharacteristically cold. And you know what? People always consider Denver, Colorado, this cold weather place. But, you know, we get more days of sun than anybody else. And I'm looking outside right now. There's snow on the ground, but it is sunny and beautiful out here. You said a hot 40. <laughs> I mean, I mean, compared to the 12, 16 degrees that it was on Sunday. Well, a hot 40 degrees, if you, if you were in Florida right now, that would be bone-chilling cold for a, a Florida resident. Not, 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 not hot yeah, 40 but, degrees. But Nick, it all, on it all depends on your perspective. I don't give them a secondary perspective. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, great, great, great plug. So, so listen, you know, uh, this past weekend, we saw four snowy games since we're talking about weather. 90 touchdowns scored, which is most in the NFL history for a single week. And those four four games, uh, I mean, some of those games I couldn't even see uh, the, the field. So I can only imagine what it was like for the quarterbacks and the running backs. And and, and my 10 years as a player, I've only had uh, pleasure playing in one game that was uh, equivalent to that, and that's when we was playing the Oakland Raiders. And, I mean, the snow was just coming down. We couldn't see the numbers. They had to come out with the snow blowers. I remember that line. game. That was crazy, right? Uh-huh, yeah. And and, and, and and with that being said, now the Super Bowl is going to be in New York. Now, it, it's crazy. Well, it's, it's New Jersey, technically. Well, New Jersey, New York, it's still <laughs> the same thing. You're just driving over the bridge, right? <laughs> a tunnel. But here's the crazy thing about it. Now, the, the NFL has placed a lot of uh, restrictions. Now, we know that the restrictions have come down on the field with the players as far as the concussions, and we'll get into that later with uh, Nelson Vitanzi as he gives us his take on that. But uh, when you look at the restrictions for the Super Bowl is concerned, you know, check this out. No limos, no no taxi cabs. You can't even walk to the game. You can't walk to the game. But, But, of course, the league has a solution for everything. There's a shuttle that you can pay $51 that would transport you from wherever your hotel is located to the game. Also, dig this. Now, here's a great part of the game that every fan uh, loves about the NFL. It's the tailgating. It's the experience. That's the thing that fans love to do. Guess what? No tailgating. If you want to tailgate, you have to sit. Yes, no tailgating. Your tailgating is now sitting in your car with a burrito and a drink. That's it. 
That's tailgating. Now, why why are they restricting tailgating now? You know what? Because when you look at MetLife Stadium, I mean, it's, it's the largest NFL stadium, so you can pack people in there. But the problem is it's parking. Only 13,000 uh, parking spaces. So so now they're saying, okay, well, 13,000 parking spaces, that's why we're not allowing all these limos and taxes. Oh, so that's why, out. yeah, so they don't want people taking up room, basically. Yeah, pretty much, but 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 you're in New York. Man, but that's not even football. You can't go to a exactly. football game and not tailgate? Exactly. So, I mean, so I have to now sit in my car and eat sushi. What's that? That's not tailgate. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Pause for a second. You're telling me that your tailgate food of choice is sushi, Nick? Well, well no, no. I'm not saying my tailgate. Okay. But I'm just, I'm just saying with the new restrictions, now you reduce to now having sushi, a burrito, some hot wings from probably Buffalo Wild Wings in your car. There's no brats. There's no barbecuing. There's no throwing a Frisbee or doing any of those things before a pregame to get you ready. Because think about this. As a player, you get your mind ready for a game. You have your pregame rituals. And I like to think that fans that are attending these games, they have their pregame rituals as well. So you're basically taking that away from them. Hey, man, I wear the same underwear to every single Broncos game until they lose, and then I wash them. Really? <laughs> I, I don't know if I would have tossed that out on air. Hey, my man, it's only crazy if it works. I'm not ashamed. Hey, hey, TMI, I'm just going to call it TMI. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, I, the way I look at these restrictions, yeah, I really don't like them because to me, I, I feel as though the, they're taking away from the experience of the Super Bowl. Here's something else to consider. Now, what the league has decided to do is also raise the ticket prices to record levels to, I guess, uh, compete with the scalpers, uh, making or thinking that maybe that would keep the scalpers out of the way as far as Super Bowl tickets. But no, any sporting event that you can make money on, especially an event like this, especially if you get the Denver Broncos and the Seattle Seahawks, who I, you know, predict them being the Super Bowl, if those two teams get in, those ticket prices are going to be out of the roof. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it just seems like they're kind of ruining this whole experience. I mean, the Super Bowl, there are people that will save up for an entire year uh, just to go to a Super Bowl game. And now you're having all these restrictions. And, I mean, the stadium is enormous, which is nice, but it's going to be in February up in New York slash New Jersey. And, I mean, I understand the appeal, I guess, of having the big game in New York. But, man, what, what's the difference between that and then playing uh, in another cold-weather stadium? Like, what, what's the difference between playing in Pittsburgh or Baltimore or Denver even? I know the market's a little different, but what's the difference when the players are on the field playing the actual game? They don't care. I feel like you need to cater to these players. These are the two best teams in the NFL. They're playing to be the best team. You have to hook them up with certain amenities. And playing in this kind of weather, it's just, it's nonsense to me. It doesn't make any sense. And, you know, they're, they're making such a big deal. And the reason that I said New Jersey instead of New York, they're making it seem like playing in New York is this big time, like Broadway and Times Square and Central Park, like New York, the New York that everybody knows and loves, the true capital of America. But it's not even really in New York. It's in New Jersey. <laughs> That's not, what's driving me nuts. The Super Bowl's <laughs> not in New York. This, it, so the whole, not, everything, like the whole, the, the great thing about it 
they're, they're trying to make it in New York. It's not in New York. That's it's where not. the appeal is supposed to come from. It just drives me nuts. And now finding out about this, now I'm even more upset, Nick. Now well, I'm going to well, have a bad day. Well, okay, well, you know what? Well, 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 brace yourself, and hopefully you're sitting down. Okay, I told you before it was 13,000 parking spots. Think about this. Each parking spot, oh, you need a pass first to get in there. And that parking spot is $150 or, or even higher. That $150, that's just probably the, the, the bottom price, but it, it's going to increase. But even if the number was $150. That's parking across the street behind the Burger King. Dude, that, that, that's almost $2 million in parking alone. Yeah. That's ridiculous. So so are, are we looking at this game as is, is, is being about just money, not fan appreciation, because the fans oh, make, make the game what it is? It's completely about money. If it was about the fans, they wouldn't have all these restrictions. They wouldn't be putting it somewhere where the weather's probably going to be at freezing or maybe a little below. Well, well it, will this possibly alienate fans' attendance in, in, in the future and have them sit at home and say, listen, I can sit on my couch, go in the refrigerator, and not have to pay a gazillion dollars for the ticket and concessions? Well, are, I, are, we, are, we, are we going to potentially get to that point? I think there's always going to be the two kind of fans, you know, the fans that will absolutely do anything to go watch their team in a Super Bowl and they'll just disregard all of the nonsense that they have to put up with. They're like, look, I made a promise to myself that I was going to watch my team play in the Super Bowl. That's what I'm going to do. But then there are going to be, you know, the the true stubborn fans who are like, you know what, this whole experience, this isn't worth it. Yeah, it's fantastic, and if I go, it's a story that I can tell my kids and my grandkids, but what what am I really giving up to go see this? I mean, I can see every angle from my TV. I can have a big party, all my friends over. It can be this whole big ordeal, or I can not waste, but I could spend inordinate amounts of money at this one single game, and then boom, it's over, and now I'm out several hundred to a thousand, several thousand dollars. You listen to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective to get in on the conversation. You can hit us up, 888-346-9144. We're talking about the new restrictions of the NFL as it pertains to the Super Bowl. Now, Mara, I want to ask you this question. Uh, with the season starting to wind down, I mean, obviously teams are now starting to separate themselves, uh, more so in the AFC, but in the NFC, I mean, there's still some battles going on. It's going to go down to the last couple of weeks. I mean, if was, if the playoffs started today, right now Seattle, New Orleans, Detroit, and Philly get in because they would win their divisions, but now you would have Carolina, Dallas, and the 49ers chasing that wild card to get in. It's, just, wait, it's funny that you said Dallas has a chance. I'm sorry. I just thought that was funny. Yeah, I, I know. There are probably some Cowboys fans out there. <laughs> I'm sorry, guy. Hey, I'm just, I'm just going off of past experiences. That's right. all. I, I get what you're saying because, I mean, I often tweet this out, and, and you can follow me at Nick Ferguson underscore 25. I have this hashtag where I call it the Tony Romo effect, and, and a lot, it makes a lot of Dallas Cowboy fans Okay, if you're if you're a cowboy fan, just prepare yourself and right. kind of yeah, kind of brace yourself for this. Yeah, because because we all know that yes, Jerry Jones paid him an enormous amount of money. We know that Dallas hasn't been to a, a Super Bowl since Jimmy Johnson was the head coach, and they've had a tradition of Jimmy just falling Johnson apart. Guy, yeah, I mean they have a tradition of falling apart. In the month of December, we watched them fall apart in, in cold uh, Chicago. So yeah, what do we have to say about the Dallas Cowboy team? 
Hey, you know what? And the, the Tony Romo effect, it's interesting you bring that up, Nick, because it seemed like Dallas's defense suffered from the Tony Romo effect. Tony Absolutely. Romo <laughs> in that game, Tony played a fantastic game, and he definitely played well enough to win. I mean, three touchdowns, just a handful of incompletions. Uh, I think he had over 300 yards. But Chicago's punter did not step onto the actual field of play one time. And, I mean, you got a backup quarterback in McCown. You have, you know, a banged-up running back in Matt Forte. That offensive line that people have complained to death about for Jay Cutler, who I don't think they allowed a sack or maybe one or two. Bottom line, their defense couldn't get this Bears offense, who, I mean, they're better than the Bears offense we kind of grew up with. Right. But it's certainly not a team that you should never be able to get to punt. That is just Absolutely outrageous. So their entire team suffered from the Tony Romo effect on Monday night. Well, you know, this is definitely a game that you could not blame Tony Romo and say that he was the reason why uh, they they didn't win that game. I mean, the defense did not show up at all, like you said, and you have to wonder, well, what's going to happen with Monty Kiffin at the end of the year? Jerry Jones is the GM of this team, and I've said it before, I mean, he fires coaches just like, like nothing. You know, and now, I mean, with you being a head coach and a GM, I mean, what are you going to do? Who are you going to fire next before you take a look at yourself and say, well, maybe I need to step step down and allow someone else to take over the GM position. And I just kind of sit back and let them do that. Know that that's not going to happen because Jerry Jones is way too proud to do something like that. I'm on with Mario Vitanzi from SportsPyramid.com. You can always get into the conversation, 888 Three four six nine one four four. Yeah, th- that's the problem with I believe some of these owners and some coaches suffer from the same thing when they get hired and they have the head coaching uh, hat and they get the GM hat. There's a conflict of of interest, and when you look at the personnel, the personnel makes that team run. And with Jerry, I mean, it's about time for him to do that. No, I mean, I know he, he built that great stadium out there in Texas. And in Texas, everything is bigger. But right now, Jerry, this is not big. Your team is suffering. And we're going to watch a Seattle, not excuse me, not Seattle, but an Eagles team that started off in the basement, now leading division right now, could possibly win a division and get into the playoffs. That says a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, if we're going to look at this playoff picture real quick, I'm taking a look at it right now. I think the two wild card teams have to be San Francisco and Carolina, in my opinion. I'm not completely sold on Carolina. Uh, They went on, what, that seven-game win streak, and they were the hottest team in the NFL for a while. I think they got absolutely exploited by New Orleans, which a lot of people, including myself, thought would happen, seeing as though it was at home. The Saints were coming off an embarrassing loss to the Seahawks the week before. Carolina is a very good team because of their defense, but they are not a legit contender. I mean, I see them finishing probably as the uh, the sixth seed in the NFC behind the Niners, just because their offense is stagnant. I mean, their running backs can't stay healthy. Cam Newton puts that team on his back, but, you know, he's not quite there yet. He's a better leader now, and he's got a defense behind him that's getting him the ball back. But when you face a high-powered offense like the Saints and you fall behind, we saw that their offense does not have it in them to bring them back, especially on the road, which is where they're going to be because you know they're not going to win the division now. So no. Carolina, in my opinion, is a fraud. Um, but every other a team, fraud. they a are lot. a fraud. B- 
because of that win streak they had because they beat the Patriots and people really put them up on a pedestal and they just got absolutely knocked down. I didn't believe it for a second. I don't see them as that good of a team, in my opinion. They're going to make the playoffs because of where they're at now because of that win streak. They will get in, but they will lose in the first round. Wow, losing the first round. Well, well, Cam has shown that he has a tendency to play in, in spurts at times. Uh, but also, you know, when you look at this team as a whole, it is built on defense. And when you talk Absolutely. about the playoffs and the Super Bowl. And that's what I'm saying. They've done no the favors ball. for Cam Newton bringing in any wide receiver help. And that's what the, that's the next step they need to take. All right. On the other side of this break, we'll talk to Dr. Nelson Matanzi and get his take on the recent concussion issues in the NFL and the latest injuries. You're listening to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. We'll be back after the break. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping want to play the ponies join us every week for winning ponies with john Engelhart, racing's regular guy where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys trainers agents and handicappers in the world of horse racing this show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies Handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine, from the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week. Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to nickferkshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the show. Uh, we are blessed to have on Dr. Nelson uh, Vitanzi, 42 years of experience in the chiropractic business, treating both professional athletes and celebrities like Nellie Burt Winnows and Brian Bosworth. Uh, thank you, Dr. Vitanzi, for joining us. Uh, how's it going? 
It's going wonderful, Nick. Certainly good to hear your voice again. Excellent, excellent. Listen, I want to go ahead and jump into it right now. Uh, over the past couple of years, there's been a huge debate on concussions in the NFL. And right there in Denver, a guy named Wes Welker suffered his second concussion and will be out against the Chargers tonight. Uh, tell us a little bit about your experience dealing with guys with concussions and, and what we've heard from the NFL is, is actual factual as far as concussions are concerned. Well, you know, you just opened up a 24-hour discussion. Uh, <laughs> but let me just try to, for everybody listening, we started 42 years ago. My first player was Otis Armstrong. Since wow. then, Since then, I've had probably 600 NFL players. Now, the game has changed where it's got faster, higher impact equipment, hasn't really advanced to where it should. People are getting bigger, faster, and stronger, but maybe vascularly or brain-wise weaker, not in, not, in, not in smartness, but in the brain to be able to handle the growth, the massiveness, the speed, the intensity, the enhancements that they use. But there's always been concussions. Why didn't we hear about them many, many, many years ago? Well, so, we so, so why do you think that? I think the players are a macho brood. And even if they had concussions, Nick, and you've had them, they'd have said, I'm okay. I'll get it taken care of, get a little rest. It's just part of the game. Whether it's the 40s or the 50s or the 60s or the 70s, it is part of the game. So now, with technology... With the, uh, with the increase in Alzheimer's and dementia and everything else that's affecting people in their brains, it's come to the forefront of look at boxers, soccer players, NFL players. Everybody who gets hit in the head gets a concussion. Everybody does. But it could be so little and so brief and so minimal, you really have a little headache, you get a little dizziness, some white spots, but you're okay. That happens literally hundreds of thousands of times. But now when you get repetitive blows to the head, more and more brain cells get damaged, and it takes more and more time to recover if you ever recover. The more brain cells that are damaged, you get lack of circulation, you get lack of synapse or, or communication in the brain, and all of a sudden, man, I don't have enough brain cells. What did I just say? I can't sleep, I've got visual disturbances, I get depressed. The symptoms can become ferocious and deadly. And we've seen that with Junior Seau, obviously, and that's kind of what kicked up this whole uh, concussion awareness stint that the NFL is now on. You have, you're, there's, it's happened many times. How about people that are killing themselves and nobody knows why? You have a brain injury and then you have a medication that teeters you the wrong way because you get too much or whatever. Does that enhance suicides and inability uh, to handle dementia and further depression? Read your research, absolutely. We're so, on with Dr. Nelson Vintanzi uh, out of Denver, Colorado, talking NFL concussions. So with, with all that being said, what could the NFL do, if at all, to limit the amount of concussions that players uh, are sustaining? Two things. Let me give you my opinion on one thing that a doctor can do that no one's talked about. Okay. The nerve supply to the brain tissue is the first cervical vertebra. If you get 
the, fir- the concussion, a blow to the head, the first cervical vertebra gets misaligned, blown out of position, and all of a sudden, immediately, you have no nerve supply from the source going to the brain. It's mm-hmm. never mentioned. Other than chiropractic treatment, it's never treated. Yet, when I, this first became a problem, when Rod Smith hurt himself years ago, Nick, you remember he'd hit the field and be passing out? Right. That wasn't concussion of the brain that was causing him to pass out. That was the concussion causing the first cervical to rotate, pinch at the base of the brainstem, inhibit circulation and nerve supply, and he momentarily just lost consciousness. So are we saying that the evaluation of players after they sustain a concussion is not being thoroughly looked at? It needs, they need to include the first cervical vertebra or they're never going to get good results, period. Mm-hmm. So it's, what would, it's the supply, it's the pipeline of supply and life to the brain. So what would you say in your opinion would be a decent amount of time for a person to be out that might have sustained one or two concussions? That's an open question. Everybody's different. It depends on the test, your visual disturbance. If you pass the test, if you can remember a series of questions, and if that first cervical vertebra is in alignment. When I adjusted Rod Smith, it went away immediately. Now, Nick, you understand. It's been 42 years, several hundred players. I've adjusted a lot of first cervical vertebras. Right. Even in you, and you've been dinged before. Right. And you came out of it. So... The NFL, all these experts need to start looking more into the base of the brainstem where it's being affected, not just inside the skull cavity. Now, what can the NFL do? Make a, make a helmet that if you get a certain blow to it, that it compresses or, or breaks apart in certain areas. In other words, the helmet is absorbing the blow, not the brain. So that way, the blow you're saying is kind of dividing uh, evenly and equally throughout the head? That's why they have bumpers in cars that give in now. Okay. They devise the bumper, you get hit behind, it caves in. So you sacrifice the bumper, you save the rest of the car, and and less uh, traumatic injuries to brains and whiplash victims. Same concept. So would these helmets kind of be like expendable then, you're saying? So they would have to have like several on the sideline, or are they going to be able to withstand several blows? Well, they're going to have to. They're, they're going to have to spend the money on helmets. See, what they've been doing is making helmets stronger and stronger and harder and harder. Well, energy cannot be created nor destroyed. So when you get a blow to the head to the hard helmet, it's transferred right through. It's well, go I mean, helmets can so also be used right as weapons as well as protection. And vibrates the brain. And you get, a, you get a concussion, a contra-coup concussion. You get a concussion initially from the impact, and you get a concussion when the brain floats uh, fastly inside and hits the other side, or they'd say the back or front of the skull. But, but with that being said, and it's a, it's a brilliant idea, and I haven't heard anyone come up with that so far. Once again, we're still talking uh, money. And we, if we're talking about developing a helmet that would just kind of absorb all the energy and just kind of break apart at some point, I mean, could you imagine the millions of dollars that the owners would have to spend week in and week out for those particular helmets? Well, they're saving money on the $975 million they have to pay for one lawsuit, plus they just got sued again by Craig Morton, plus there's probably 250 or 4,000 or whatever more lawsuits against the NFL because they haven't done this, Nick. So you're going to have to spend money one way or the other. Why isn't the NFLPA taking more of a lead here? 
and demanding it. That's a good question. I think and that's LPA. I write them letters, let them letters, letters. I call them up, call them up, call them up. I can't even get them to respond. They you know need to get I, more active. I've, I've spoken to several players or several players that you uh, have treated yourself. Uh, probably have those guys on next week. And, you know, they were talking to me about, you know, short-term memory loss and, and not remembering where they, they put their kid, their, their keys. Uh, so, so this is a huge issue, and I don't think – you know, it's over and said and done. I know there's a, a settlement that's out there, but I think there's more that needs to be done uh, with this situation moving forward. Before we let you go, because I know your time is very limited. Now, as I far as time. Pre- okay, excellent. Uh, as far as preventative maintenance, not just with concussions, let's just talk about you know knees and hips because we've seen a lot of ACL, MCL tears this season. What can players, college, or uh, just kind of the weekend warrior? do to prevent some of those injuries? You know, Nick, we go back a long way. I treated you a lot. I even take care of a lot of the, the players who even run the NFL, uh, the NFL PA right now. I get players from high school, grade school, whatever. My whole uh, specialty is balancing you symmetrically uh, with gravity. In other words, okay. when you're standing on two feet, I want you to be symmetrically right and left with gravity. That way, the ligaments are properly lined up right and left the muscles are equal and symmetrical they're firing the right way and the joints are balanced there's no stress points well there can't there has to be some but you eliminate as much as you can by making sure you're really balanced and equal and symmetrical i call it gravitational pattern alignment then when you go out and do get hit you have more flexibility and range of motion because you're not already in a stress point but if you're playing football your, and your, your right leg is two inches shorter than your left leg, that makes your anterior pelvis on the right, your, your spine curved to the left, torquing in the rib cage, shoulders drooping. It is a whole system of changes that absolutely must occur because of gravity. Must, must, must. And then when that leg is short and you get that pelvic twisted and you get the spine rotating, you, send up, you set up stress points. If you get hit in a certain way, and this stress points can affect the hips, the knees, the feet, everything. You get hit a certain way, it could be a minor little tap. You break the stress point, you got an injury. If you I just remember one time when Mike Anderson caught a football, was running back a kick, took one step and tore the muscle from his bone. Were you, were you playing then when he did that? No, I wasn't with the, with the team then. Yeah. Why should that happen? Why should somebody running down the field make a cut and their whole ACL rips and you're a professional athlete? that ACL was ready to rip because it was being stretched and out of its normal position and angle from one bone to the, the other bone. Right. From the head of the tibia to the, part, the, the anterior part of the distal femur, it was being stretched. All they had to do was turn wrong, pop, there, and you hear about it all the time. Yet you see some other athletes take a blow you think would rip their knee apart. They just get bounced right up and go. They have more flexibility because there are not these stress points from postural distortion. So to me, it's all about balancing before you, you know, your posture before you get hurt. The players come in now. They want to come in when they want to come in. I said, listen, either you come in when I say you, want to, you need to come in to, to do my program to prevent injuries, then go someplace else. I'm not a mass unit, and it, it's going to be tough to try to get you well when you're getting all banged up playing professional football. If you just joined us, we're on with Dr. Nelson Vitanzi, 42 years of experience in chiropractic business. 
and Mario Batanzi of the sportspyramid.com. Now, have you met any kind of uh, pushback from uh, any of the professional teams, uh, head trainers, as far as uh, uh, treating athletes? You know, Nick, I was team, the first team chiropractor of an NFL team in 1998. I was the first ever team chiropractor. Okay. I was hired by Mike Shanahan and the Denver Broncos. I won a Super Bowl with them, and I have a Super Bowl ring. My work was so good that I got fired. Really? I got fired. Now go, go more into that. That's really interesting. They wanted to go in a different direction. That's Why is that? Was, that was, was, was that, do you think it was kind of uh, uh, disagreeing with your, the, the, way, the way that you systematically approach looking at the body? What I, what I was told, Nick, at the beginning was, you know, you're going to have a job here for a long time. These players can be replaced. You do what I say and you be, what it, stay within the system. Well, you know, as a doctor, I took a Hippocratic oath to put my people first. And as a Christian person, I must put my people first, my patients, my family, whatever. Especially in my Hippocratic oath that I take, my patients first. I can't put company first. So it's impossible to me for me to work for an entity that tells me what to do if I think it's wrong and still do it. I can't do it. So I was outside the box, and I always have been with my treatment. That's why I've invented so many things and why we're so successful here at Omni Chiropractic. I was outside the box. While trainers are still inside the box, 42 years ago when I had my first NFL player, they were using ice and stem. They're still using ice and stem. That's because they don't need to think outside the box. If their job is secure and they're just kind of herding these guys like cattle, and you know, you're just they're just pushing them through. Why would they exert themselves to improve in their field if they know that their job is secure? And I know it sounds terrible, but that kind of seems like what's happening right now. These guys are doing the bare minimum of what they need to do to keep their jobs. And you know th- these players are just random faces to them. They're just they're just they're just a number and a statistic. Every NFL team is different. The trainers may be uh, more sophisticated, but you know I'm 67 years old, been around a long time, but I'm already looking, always looking and developing new products. I got inventions, multiple therapy devices. I have a I have a YouTube presentation where I'm teaching modern techniques. It's the Cairo Guru. C-H-I-R-O, like chiropractic, but I'm always trying to advance and promote and do better and better and better because things are constantly changing. I think the big problem is the NFL training rooms might be baseball and might be uh, basketball. I haven't been inside of them, okay? Haven't been changing as much as they should. I don't know what it is. It ain't lack of money, that's for sure, but it could be lack of a belief system into new processes. And Do you so, think that, that, that you, know, you will be at some point able to go into the Players Association and give them these uh, recommendations that you've uh, pretty much laid out here today? I have, Nick. I already have. I've talked to your lawyer, Encino, uh, I think his name is. I've written two letters to Dominic Foxworth. I've spoken to the people who answer the phone. I've left numerous messages I've talked to Brian Dawkins about it. I've talked to Peter Schaefer about it. I talked to Jorby uh, 
some agent about it. Right. Okay. Nobody can get an answer. Nobody gets responses from them. Do you think this is this is actually? And we only have about uh, thirty seconds left. Do you think, real quick, that they really want to do something about this issue long term? Maybe they realize there's only so much they can do. I well, mean, how minute. much power wait, does the NFLPA really have? Wait a minute. NFLPA gets they take millions of dollars every year from the players. Okay, Rick, right, right, Nick. Yeah. Okay. They need to do something, but maybe at some point they want to be NFL employees. Is there a conflict of interest? What is it with DeMarais Smith and everybody else that they can't go after aggressively after the NFL and aggressively get these things changed? And why can't they even answer my phone or answer a letter? And Dominic Foxworth's the president. Maybe he's not even getting the letters. I don't know. But I was, I'm kind of surprised that Dominic never took the time. Call me, write me, answer me, nothing. When all I care about is the safety and well-being of you guys. Well, Dr. Vitanzi, love to have you on. Again, great stuff. Uh, you can see Dr. Vitanzi, Omni Chiropractic, and Denver, Colorado. Coming up after the break, we're going to get into a little Heisman Trophy talk and maybe talk a little bit about Mac Brown's situation with the Texas Longhorns. After the break. Thank you. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. Crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. Are you a Philly sports fan? Maybe you're local to Philly, or you're a transplanted Philly fan. Either way, you want to check out Philly Sports Jabronis. It's a radio show that has nothing to do with Chicago sports. It's not about NYC, and L.A. can't even muster a football team of their own. It's all about Philly sports, and nothing but Philly sports most of the time. Join your hosts Mike Greger and Joe Dara every Friday at 7 p.m. Philly time, 4 p.m. on the West Coast for the transplants on the Voice America Sports Channel. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickfergshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Get back with Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective. Nick Ferguson and Mario Vitanzi, that was a great segment by uh, Dr. Vitanzi, giving us some insight on what takes place within the NFL organization and how they look at preventative maintenance and also concussions. But 
We are now joined by former Houston Texans and Longhorns defensive lineman Frank Ogum out of Houston. Frank, how you doing? I'm good. How's it going? It's going well. Uh, of course, you know, a big conversation uh, this week about your former coach and the possibility of him stepping down. The way I look at it is the fact that maybe they're forcing him out. Uh, he's 62. So is uh, Alabama's coach Nick Saban. But your coach, your former coach, looks like he has a lot more gray hair. So, so what, are you, what is your take on this whole situation of possibly forcing out of Mac Brown? Um, I think this situation is uh, it's a complex one. Um, from what I've heard, um, Coach Brown more has a little more control of the situation than I think the uh, public media has uh, perspective on. Um, looking at the situation, I think it's it's, uh, it's one of those situations where it's going to have to be his choice to to decide whether he wants to walk away or not. And in my knowing of Coach Brown, he has a, a huge passion for the University of Texas. A uh, huge passion for the players down there, and a huge passion for the state of Texas as well. So I can't see him uh, just walking away like that. So, so how do you feel with a lot of uncertainty whether he's going to step down or not? They're scheduled to play Oregon on December 30th in, in the bowl game. And if you were a player sitting in that locker room, how would you be from a, a mental standpoint not knowing if Mac Brown's going to be there or not? Well, one thing uh, a former player told me when I was getting recruited out of high school, and um, you know you have your a lot of choices of where you could go. He told me never to choose a college based on the coach because uh, they change more than the faces do in the locker room. Right. And um, when you're getting recruited, you have to kind of choose a program based on what that school has to offer you academically as well as athletically and socially. Um, and saying that, if I was a player in that locker room, you uh, you do commit to a coach as well, though, and so. Seeing that Coach Brown has been your coach for, you know, one, two, three, four, maybe five years, you have a sense of a, attachment to that coach. And if I was a player, I would try to use that opportunity to galvanize my team and unite us and try to at least, if it is his last game, send him off with a W. Now, Frank, let me ask you this. You're saying that it's not always a good idea to choose a school based on the coach. How many NCAA athletes do you think there are right now? Like, give me a rough percentage of how many pick a school based on the coach or predominantly based on who's coaching? You know, I think if I was an offensive player, if I was a quarterback, I think I would probably choose a, a organization by the style of offense they ran, the offensive coordinator and things like that. Uh, as a defensive player, you kind of have a different mentality. Um, but looking at what Texas has done defensively with the number of people they've uh, sent in the NFL and some of the defensive linemen have done very well for themselves and defensive backs and, you know, finishing second in the Big 12 this year and having some first-team All-Americans, you know, you can kind of use that argument of choosing a a college because of the coach. You develop a relationship with your recruiting coach, the one that comes to you the most, your position coach or potential position coach, because that's the one you're going to see every day. That's the one you're going to be in the room with. So while that's very important, I also know because of, if you look around the college, every year high-profile jobs are up for grabs, uh, which means there's a whole organizational overhaul. So as a player, you got to be prepared for those kind of changes. Right. So for you personally, let's say you could flash back in your time machine and you're being recruited. For you, what is the number one thing you're looking for in a college? Is it like how many players they send to the NFL? Is it the campus? Is it the location? Is it the style of offense or defense? What is the number one deciding factor for you? Hmm. 
the number one deciding factor for me, and this is just for me personally, is the combination of what it had to offer athletically and academically. That is um, so refreshing to hear. It's, uh, <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> because at the end of the day, football can only last so long. I think, you know, Nick and I know we were former teammates in the NFL. Um, your NFL career can, can be done in a heartbeat. And if you put all your eggs in that basket um, and you don't have anything to follow on academically, uh, there's not really much, you know, kind of, kind of to look forward to. One of the main reasons why I chose the University of Texas is growing here. This uh, this university has networks all over, not just the state of Texas, but the nation and the world. It's one of the more interconnected universities with more influential people around this country and around this state. And so I knew when it was all said and done, having a degree from the University of Texas and also being a letterman there can only benefit me in the long run. Well, we're on with Frank Oakham, former Longhorn, Texas Longhorn uh, defense alignment, talking a little bit of Mac Brown. Uh, Frank, before we let you go, Heisman presentation is this weekend. So there's a lot of candidates. If you could cast a Heisman vote, who would get your vote? You know, it's uh, that's pretty interesting. I think uh, when I was in college, there was one guy I felt like should have won the Heisman, but we ended up winning the national championship with him anyway and Vince Young. <laughs> but uh, the if I had to choose this year, I would have to go to James Winston. Um, taking a, a top program and going through your, through your schedule undefeated and putting up the numbers he's put up, it's kind of hard to ignore that. But I will also give a very strong consideration to Jordan Lynch. I know he's kind of a dark horse, but... If the Heisman is the MVP, he is definitely the MVP of his team. Well, thanks, you, Frank, for for joining us. Uh, feel free to uh, call us and chat with us at any time, ladies and gentlemen. That's Frank Oakham. Appreciate you, Frank. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Frank. Right. No problem. So, so Mario, that was some good stuff from uh, from Frank talking about his old coach, uh, Mac Brown, uh, and. It's, it's, it's amazing that, you know, everyone's picking Jameis Winston. I know that seems like the obvious choice, but I, I think that the, the surprise could be Jordan Lynch because when you look at what Johnny Manziel was able to do in 2012, how many passing yards, rushing TDs, throwing TDs, uh, even though Jordan Lynch doesn't have those numbers as far as the passing, but rushing TDs, he, I mean, he looks like that complete player. So, you know, he might be that surprise when they, when they give that announcement you know, Jordan Lynch could be that guy from Northern Illinois walking up there to accept that Heisman. And, and it would be great to see if we're going just based on stats alone and how important a player is to their team, Jordan Lynch would take it. I mean, you look at this Florida State team. Yes, Jameis Winston is an incredible talent, incredible athlete. Not going to take anything away from him. But look at the team surrounding him. Benjamin, his number one receiver, is like 6'5". 240 pounds, and Basically he can run like a 4-5. He's, he's just mossing them everywhere that he goes. His defense <laughs> is incredible. He has a very good offensive line. And again, not to take anything away from him because he is very good, but that's the number one team in the nation. That is, in my opinion, the national champion over Auburn whenever it is they play the game in the next five months. Right. So you look at the team as a whole. How good is the team is Northern Illinois? Where would they be? And I know we can't really say because it's not like they would ever have a game broadcast because they're a smaller school. But you take Jordan Lynch away from them, and I don't know a lot about their team, but I've seen their stats. He absolutely carries that team. That team would be absolutely nowhere. They would not. They certainly would not be ranked if it wasn't for Jordan Lynch. So, so when you're looking about just stats and how important a player is right. to their team, 
in my opinion, Jordan Lynch is the front runner because he does not have the supporting cast that Winston has. Do you think that if Jordan Lynch had played in SEC and had these type of numbers, would it be like an after, afterthought? Would he be just well, a shoe in? I, I mean, if he's putting up these kind of numbers, I mean, compare his numbers to Johnny Manziel's last year. Manziel put up video game numbers last year. Jordan Lynch's are better than what he did last year. So if he's doing it in the SEC, yeah, absolutely. It's not even a question of who's going to win it. But you know what? It seems like every year this this trend is starting where they want to find these young guys to win the Heisman. And and for whatever reason, you know, and not to say that Menzel didn't deserve it last year because he did, but maybe the NCAA is kind of shifting to where they want these younger kids to win before they go off because so many players now are leaving early for the NFL and they want to give them a chance. I feel like we're never going to see the day again where we have a senior winning the Heisman. I think but, those but, days are dead and gone. It's never going to happen again. But, but we've seen a mass exodus of players in college basketball in, in the same way. So maybe they, they are rewarding these guys. But I think it's a fascinating thing to even see and even talk about to have two possibly back-to-back freshmen win the Heisman. I mean, yeah, you're, talking about, you're, you're, not, you're not talking about seniors or juniors. You're talking about but we're talking freshmen. about redshirt, like true freshmen, not redshirt freshmen, true right. freshmen. So that's a that, that's a, a phenomenon within itself. So would we be wrong in not uh, uh, awarding these guys or rewarding them for what they've been able to do on the field? I mean, yeah, Jordan Lynch is a senior. Jameis Winston has some time, and he's coming back. You know, his offensive line is coming back. His skilled players are coming back because some voters now say, well, he has an opportunity to win in his second year, so why give it to him now? I mean, some voters might think that way, but I think they're so blinded by the appeal of Jameis Winston that they're not going to be able to see past it. I'm going to get up on my soapbox really quick. As long get as we're talking soapbox. about Heisman, Marcus Mariota out of Oregon. They're Come on. L- listen now, man. If you no. want to talk about stats, no. you want to talk about stats. He has thrown for over 3,400 yards. He has thrown for 30 touchdown touchdowns, just four interceptions. He has rushed for 580 yards and nine touchdowns. Yeah, but Mario, you have 39 total touchdowns no. on a team that is completely surrounded. Like this team lives and dies by the run. So but the fact that put, I understand that's- that, but if we're, I mean, but so is Florida State. So we're splitting hairs here. Which team is more stacked between Oregon and Florida State? It's going to be Florida State. They're the ones playing in the national championship. And guess what? And that's right. They're 12-0, and and they're playing in the national championship. So that overrides and supersedes I understand, anything but Mar- that Mariota's done thus far. Mariota's competing with these kind of athletes, with a DeAnthony Thomas, with a Michael Huff, to get touches on that team. So the fact that he was able to put up these incredible passing stats where, I mean, he didn't throw an interception until the second to last game of the season. And, you know, and then he ends up with four kind of collapsed a little bit, but all I mean, altogether carried that team accounted for 39 touchdowns accounted for over 5,000. I'm sorry for over 4,000 yards of total offense. If we're looking at stats, isn't that really all that matters? Mariota's stats overall were better than Winston's. Yeah, but what's the overall team record? But think about this, too. He, the, the, he, he, here's what you have to think about, Mario. Okay, there might be some quarterbacks that might have thrown for, you know, more yards than, you know, James Winston. But looking at this, the stat sheet right here, not at all. And just think about it. 
by halftime, you know, Jimbo Fisher was probably pulling him out of the game and they were trying to run the ball more. Just imagine if they stuck with the pads, just like Johnny Manziel and Texas A&M. Their defense was so bad that they had to throw the ball to stay in the game. That's why his passing yards are what they are. So imagine if Winston kept passing the ball. He could possibly have about 5,000 yards. Those are Drew Brees-type numbers. Yeah, but if we're, if we're going to talk about hypotheticals, what if you could fart a rainbow and ride it to a pot of gold? Yeah, that would be nice to assume if it would happen, we'll be, but it didn't we'll happen. We'll be all rich. We'll be all rich. We would be all rich. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I, and I understand Mariota is not in the conversation, and he's way down on the pecking order, and I'm a little biased just because, you know, I'm, I, I consider myself an Oregon fan. I like watching the team. Ah, there. there it is. Hey, hey, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm a little biased, but, you know, as a, as a sports writer on the sportspyramid.com, I have to try and write from an unbiased perspective. When I'm writing articles about the NFL, I can't show my bias towards the Denver Broncos. That's just how it is. That's how this profession is. And I try and do my best to not show my bias. But I'm saying this is kind of just a microcosm of what the Heisman is. There are so many deserving players year in and year out that don't even get talked about. I'm just using Marcus Mariota as a figurehead, as an example of what is happening in college football, where there is one superstar athlete like Jameis Winston, and he just runs away with it. In my opinion, no one else has even a rem- remotely a shot at the Heisman. It's Winston or no one is getting a Heisman to this point. All right, so about 20 seconds left in the show. So tell me, who wins? Jordan Lynch it, you know, or it's, James Winston? It's going to be Winston, and I don't think the voting is going to be close. All right, I'd like to thank Dr. Nelson Batanzi for joining us and Frank Oakham from joining us as well. Uh, Mario, great show. Once again, you can catch Mario at thesportspyramid.com. You can also uh, hit me up at Nick Ferguson underscore 25. Check out the YouTube channel, Nick A. Ferguson. Uh, great show. Join us here next Thursday, same time, same bat channel. Mario, pleasure as always. Keep tight. Warm up. Pleasure is mine, sir. Absolutely. And drive safely out there, everyone. Having a great weekend. God bless. Thanks again for stopping by. Be sure to catch Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. in the West, on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll share some more great stories next week. 